0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit LifeCenterNYC.com. So if you have your offering envelopes or your Connect cards, you can just raise them up and the ushers will come and grab them. Thank you guys. Man, I felt the spirit on that offering time. My gosh. Um, you know, real quick, the front is getting stirred up up here this morning. I'm not even going to have to preach. I'm just going to stand here. Um, so just real quick, for next Sunday, two important things going on. Ken Fish is going to be here, first and second service next Sunday. And um, we're going to be having prayer ministry training afterward, and it's for open to anybody. So we're basically opening up our training to everybody just to let people know kind of how we train, give you some context for what our prayer ministry looks like here. So it's not an onboarding to the team, but it is a way to train up people and and share um, how we train our teams here. So come join us for that. Father, I um I thank you for today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in this place. Thank you that you're moving. Thank you, Lord, that you are that you are speaking. Thank you um, for cutting through um, just even the mundane, um, the, the the fears, the anxieties, the worries and cares of this world. And we pray, Holy Spirit, come touch our heart afresh today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk um, today about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and. It's fitting because we're already kind of delving into it a bit naturally, Um, but I want to start by reading from Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray again, Holy Spirit, would you make us those type of people that would go that would go to the nations? we thank you for the empowerment of your spirit this morning, sending us to the nations for the glory of King Jesus in your name we pray amen i want to I want to start this morning by sharing a little bit of a story of my past. some of you have been around, you might have heard bits and pieces of it i um I have my I have four grandparents, like most people, but two of them were very influential in my life and uh, and my granddad particularly was made a huge mark on me somebody I always looked up to, somebody who modeled um, family, modeled godliness to me and um, years ago. I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was walking, praying. It could have been holy or it could have just been that normal. Um, I was doing something and the Lord came and spoke to me and gave me a, so like the Holy Spirit gave me a specific word. And I felt like the Lord told me in my spirit, your grandfather is going to give you an inheritance this Christmas. And I was like, yes, I received that. Money, 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 money. I'll tithe it. I'll tithe it away, Lord. Just give me the inheritance. Um, but so it was, I was excited. I was expectant. And so I go home to my family's place like I normally did, and I just happen to get in these conversations with my granddad that year, and he's sharing parts of his life, parts of his story that I never heard of before, and I'm really in awe of how God had used him, how he'd persevered, how he'd been generous with his life. It's funny because generosity was one of the things God was showing me that was an inheritance I had from him, um, and also perseverance. So those were the two things that God really highlighted to me through this time that I had with my grandfather that Christmas. But to cap it all off, I found this jewelry while I was there, this box of jewelry that I'd never seen before. And in it, there was a ring that my grandfather had worn, and it was this high school ring. And I put it on. It fit me perfect. And I said, Granddad, can I have this? And he said, yeah, like I'd I'd love to give it to you. So I, I wore that ring around for years, and it reminded me in that moment and and continually, like, These are the things that my grandfather possesses that I get to receive as an inheritance. And so it was a really powerful moment. And and I knew that was the Lord because of how things had transpired. Fast forward five months later, I'm on a train going down to Virginia to see my family. My sister's graduating. And I get a call that my grandfather is in the hospital on his deathbed. And literally, I'm on a train to the town he's hospitalized in, which is not my hometown. It's a totally different town. And I'm literally on my way to see him, already booked my train, everything, and he's going to die like the next day. So I'm feeling, oh my gosh, like the the presence of the Lord's so strong and like, what does this all mean? I show up at his bedside and I'm able to share with him what I just told you and say, granddad, like, I know that God used you, that God put in you this generous heart, this Heart to persevere i 've seen God show me what you 've carried, and i 'm going to carry it on like i 'm going to steward what god 's done in you and so I was able to share them that with him before he died and and I just felt like so so much gratitude that God had prepared my heart um, for his passing and and to carry on what he had started uh, what He had stewarded really what he'd received from the lord so I, I share all that with you. Um, because what I want to talk about today really is this transitional moment in human history, certainly transitional moment for the church where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his ascension and for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so he's telling them in advance, hey, these things are going to happen. But don't be afraid. And here are the things, the things that I've given you, the life I've given you, the thing, they're, they're going to be imparted to you. So you can carry these things on as my hands and feet on the earth. And so it, it's this massive moment in church history, and it's, a, and it's a moment that impacts all of us. And sometimes I think we gloss over it too quickly. So today I hope uh, we can delve into a bit more we're going to talk about Pentecost. We're going to talk about when the Holy Spirit come and how the Holy Spirit has empowered you and I to actually take the gospel to the nations. So I want to start by reading Matthew 28. Jules already referenced it this morning. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is the great commission. This is Jesus' commission to the church as he's about to ascend to heaven. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, he makes this statement, and then in the book of Acts, first chapter of Acts, we see Jesus ascend, and he goes into the heavens. Like, he's gone. So what does he mean? Like, how can he say, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age? What he meant was the Holy Spirit, that the presence of God, God himself was going to come and indwell men. And in that way, Jesus will be with us to the end of the age because the spirit of God will be with us till the end of the age. It's a beautiful promise. And I love that the promise was actually God himself. Like the promise was the presence of God himself coming on us, coming on you, coming on me. And, and so it's a beautiful reminder that the Spirit of God is the presence of God first and foremost. So, today I'm gonna to be talking about how the Spirit of God drives us into the mission field. And when I say mission field, I don't mean Africa or other nations per se. There's a lot of mission fields right here in front of us. And I don't even mean full time ministry, and some of you were called to that and you'll be thrust into that. But there's a mission field that the Spirit of God's gonna draw you into. But before you even get to that place, no, he's put himself, he's put his spirit in you because he just wants to be with you. There's a missional component, but you got to know the man of Christ before you can do the mission of Christ. Now, sometimes we just want to know the man, but to know the man is to live the mission. And so I feel like there's been this swaying in the church where like, like mission, 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 but we forget just the presence, just the joy, the delight of loving him. And then there's, a, there's the flip side where it's like, presence, 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 more, more you, God, more you. And he's like, yeah, more me. Now pour it out because I'm pouring out my spirit on the nations. And guess what? You're the faucet that I want to use. So there's this, there's this balance that we have. But we have, I just want to remind you that the spirit of God is the presence of God. And he's called you for the mission of Christ in the earth to disciple the nations. And we can't forget the mission. The Holy Spirit, he takes initiative. And I love that. (laughs) That should give us all comfort. Um, So I want to read Luke 24. If you turn with me to Luke 24, um, starting at verse 45. And this is Jesus um, talking to his disciples again, preparing them for his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then he opened their minds. So this is the risen Christ now who's speaking to them. He opened their minds. So that's pretty good. Let will just repeat that. He opened their minds. You know, he cares about your mind so that they could understand the scriptures. How powerful is that? Jesus speaking to the disciples, opening their minds so they can understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer, will rise from the dead. And on the third day, And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. It's going to happen. It is happening. And it will happen. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit initiates. And Jesus is saying, what my father has promised you, the spirit of God is coming to you. And the one way he defined it was you will be clothed with power. That's the language that Jesus had to describe the coming of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what they must have thought that's going to look like? I guarantee you what they experienced was not what they thought it was going to look like. But the expectation they must have had for what God was going to do, what was going to be this clothing of power coming on them. In order to what? In order to preach his name to the nations. You know, that's why the Holy Spirit empowers us. It's to declare his name to the nations. We have to remember why we have the gift. We can enjoy the gift for ourselves, or we can use the gift the way it was intended, to give it away, to glorify Jesus in the nations. That's why we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk through three components that I see in the book of Acts. I'm going to jump into Acts Three components related to the Holy Spirit. The first one, the church is dependent on the Holy Spirit's power. This is a really important one. It seems simple, but it's easy to miss over. The church is dependent on the Holy Spirit's power. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Turn with me to verse 6. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 6. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, this is the disciples, Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, why would they ask that? This, he's talking about the Spirit's going to be poured out. In all the Old Testament scriptures, which all, they knew all the scriptures, when the Spirit pour, gets poured out, Israel gets restored, the nation of Israel. And they're being oppressed. So they're saying, is that what's going to happen, Lord? They're speaking to the risen Christ right now who's about to ascend. And that's the question in their mind. But listen to what he says. Jesus says to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But here's what you will know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's saying that part, that part's not going to be what you think. But here's what's going to happen. And what, what he's painting, these are some concentric circles that he's painting outside of Jerusalem. So he's saying the gospel is going to go forth in Jerusalem first, then Judea and Samaria, which are the surrounding, that's like the regional area, and then far through the ends of the earth. And this is actually the table of contents for the whole book of Acts right here in this verse. The whole book of Acts are, is the gospel going first to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then far, far, far out to the ends of the earth. That is is what happens in the book of Acts, starting with Peter and the church, extending to Paul and going to the Gentiles. Gentiles simply meaning those that aren't Jewish. And so that's the narrative that gets played out here. First John chapter 17, verse 18. Here's what it says. As you, this is Jesus speaking, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The Spirit of God comes on the people of God and does the thing that Jesus said it was supposed to do. Send us to the world. So that's what we see in the book of Acts, and that's what we see in the present realm. I was, uh, I was ice skating the other day. How many of you like to ice skate? We you any ice skaters in here? Okay, there's a few. I'm uh, Vanessa's really good. My wife, I can stand and push around a little bit. I can skate backwards a little bit, do a few swizzles. Um, but we were taking my kids, um, Swizzles, and it's fun to say. We were taking my kids um, and my five o- five year old, seven year old, and so it was funny because if you ever you know brought anybody out for the ice that are brand new, it's hilarious to watch them, especially adults on the ice. But um, they were you know they were hugging the they were hugging the um, the ramp, the 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 walls, and trying to like you know get through. And I'm I'm holding their hand right, and slowly but surely they begin. They began to kind of be able to do it on their own. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me very strong in that moment. It was like, you know, like like without your support, your kids are going to be like on their back, right? Like laying on the back in the middle of the ice or hugging, uh, hugging the uh, the wall, the railing at best. And the Lord was like, just like they would be in that, that's, that's really, that's the church without the Holy Spirit. On your back, down for the count, not going Anywhere hugging the wall, face on the ice, like that is the church without the Spirit of God. You can't go anywhere. We are so dependent on the Holy Spirit, and some of us have been so spoiled by the Spirit of God just moving through us. Like we've just been so used to it that we forget that we are desperate for the Spirit, that you can't minister, you can't... Operate. You can't go to the grocery store like without the spirit of God's empowerment. You can't do anything. And so I just felt, oh, my gosh, Lord, like awaken me to my dependence on you. Forgive me for just thinking my talents, my ability, my anointing, like my teaching, my whatever, whatever you do well in the kingdom of God. Forgive, ask for forgiveness for leaning on that thing versus leaning on his spirit. It's it's so important, especially those of you that are young in the Lord, that you you learn to depend on his spirit right now, to stay humble right now. Because if you don't learn that now, when you get older and you get puffed up by the knowledge and the things that you're experiencing in God and the things you're reading, the fall is going to be a lot harder. I mean, it's like I saw those adults on the ice, and let me tell you, they fell hard. <laughs> <laughs> and they were holding on to the rail, and they still fell. And I looked at them, and I laughed at them because it was hilarious. But I should have prayed for them. But when you're a kid, it's a little easier to fall and get up. But when when you're older and you've matured, if you haven't learned to depend on the Spirit, you're, when you fall, you fall hard, and you might break something. And so I, I really feel like the fear of the Lord on that, like for you especially that are young in your faith, learn to depend on the Spirit. Don't get puffed up by your knowledge but, or your ability, your gift set, Don't let it take you away from the source of life and the source of power, and that is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2. We're going to read when the gift of the Holy Spirit actually came on the church. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one had heard his own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans are the local local group. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Filigra, Polygamum, I'm saying I'm wrong. Egypt, all the parts all over the place. parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. <laughs> Got to love that they left that in there. The Bible's true. They, they leave stuff in. They don't have to put in there. Um. So this is quite the scene, right? This, and this is what Jesus told them to prepare for. And in this scene, the timing is, shows you the initiation of the Holy Spirit. Because the timing is perfect. And Jesus tells the disciples, go to the upper room or go and pray. Go prepare because I'm about to pour out. But then when he comes, he comes on the very day he's supposed to come. And it's Pentecost, which actually is the festival um, of weeks that they're they're celebrating at that time, you can check it out. Leviticus 23, you can see this is the they're bringing the first fruits of the year. It's 50 days after after the Passover, and so Jews from all over the region are coming. And in this moment, that's when God says, "I'm going to pour out my spirit." And so the beauty of it is, it, the timing is perfect, and and you see these these parallels that exist between this moment and the Old Testament. Specifically, there's parallels between Pentecost and Exodus 19 and 20. That's when the law was given to Moses. That's when the people were invited to come up on the mountain to actually speak with God the way Moses did, but they didn't do it. But but they were too afraid. They said, God, Moses, you speak. But the law was given. And here we have another defining moment in Israel's history and actually for the history of the whole world. And so even if you look at some of the the parallels here, they're quite interesting in Exodus, you look at Exodus 19 and 20 blowing of the trumpet in acts. You have the sound of a violent wind, these loud sounds kind of calling in God's doing something. Something's happening in Exodus. You have fire, the fire of the Lord on Mount Sinai. You have lightning, you have thunder and the, in the same respect, in Acts you have tongues of fire appearing, the fire of God pouring out, divine intervention is happening. It's a just like it was a pivotal, transitional moment in the book of Exodus, the law being given. Now you have the new covenant that's being sealed by the Holy Spirit, the first fruit. You know, the Spirit of God is called the first fruit. It's in us, causing us. It's actually prophetic in that the spirit of God connects us with an age that we can't see yet or can't touch. But it's the first fruit, the deposit of what God wants to do in the earth. And so we're actually called to be a prophetic people in a sense, living living with him in the heavenly places and prophesying that that place will come to earth. And so here we are on the festival of the first fruits, the first fruits, the Holy Spirit himself being poured out on the people of God saying, I want to commune with you. But I couldn't do it before. I couldn't do it by the law. But now that the blood of Jesus has satisfied my wrath, now the blood of Jesus has come to connect you and I with the living God, I'll pour out my spirit, and you and I can be one, and you and I can be connected again. I mean, it's a, it's a massive moment. It changed the whole course of human history. And today, you and I, we get to delight in the move of the Holy Spirit, not realizing what we're swimming in. We're like a fish in water, not realizing the spirit of God is in us and moving through us. Not just because like Jesus paid a price and God poured the spirit out and it's been pouring out ever since all over the earth. This is good news. And sometimes I'll just be honest, we just forget. We just forget how good we have it. We forget why the spirit was sent. Now the beauty of it is, at this point, from this point on in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God begins just really breaking out all over the place, and you see the missional aspect of God's Spirit. It cross, it goes across culture, it goes across people, what people think, and and the, the disciples, like I just, they're kind of like just watching the Spirit break out in different places on the Gentiles in this group and that group, and they're just. Just trying to be led by by what the Lord's doing. Meanwhile, their minds are being blown and their paradigms are being shifted. How many of you feel like that when you became a Christian? <laughs> it's like, what, Lord? Like, what? You want these people and that people? And like, your heart is free? like, what? Your paradigms get shifted every year in Christ when you're growing in him. You're just like, you're blown away. So some, some um, I guess like theologians or scholars, everyone to call them, they they believe that there's a real connection here with the outpouring of Pentecost. With It's the reversal of the Tower of Babel. So the Tower of Babel, you have the Lord confusing the languages, right? Men are coming with their own sin, trying to build this tower, and God has to come in and confuse things in, in order to distort what they're doing. But now... But now that Christ has died, now that Christ is risen, now the Spirit of God is coming on men. Men can now be unified. Men can now, men and women are being reached. Now their languages are being spoken to come together for the kingdom of God. So now the unifying force of the Spirit is fully enacted. And how beautiful is it? They They were speaking other languages. And they, were, they weren't they were speaking like niceties. They were speaking about the glory and wonder of God in every language represented there. It's a foreshadowing of the kingdom of God advancing to the entire earth. So God did it in his timing and his way to remind us now of what he's still doing, that he can complete it. And it's through you and through me that the nations will be disciple. All right. So number one, the church is dependent on the Holy Spirit's power. Number two. The Holy Spirit desires the nations. The nations. This this has been in the scriptures all along, but many did not see it. How many know when the Spirit of God moves, tests the scriptures to see if it's real? The Bereans, they did this. So many, they, they did this. And the Spirit of God's moving now in the book of Acts on these different groups. And if you go to the scriptures, you realize, oh my gosh, this is this jesus like this god he is after the nations but it took the smooth of the spirit but also the scriptures to confirm this is what god is doing this is real so let's look at uh, acts chapter 2 starting at verse 14 so the spirit's being poured out and then peter my boy peter who had a denied christ but here he is he's back in the game he's feeding feeding the sheep he stands up with the 11 and he raises his voice, and he addresses the crowd. Here's what he says. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love that part. No. <laughs> this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes here Joel 2. You can check out yourself. This is Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. But he changes the very first word. In Joel 2:28. It says, afterward, God says. But Peter says, in the last days. So he's making a statement about what is happening, saying, we are in the last days. The Spirit of God through Peter is saying, this is where we are. And he's changing that, but he's he's keeping the rest. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Drop the mic, Peter. That is... I mean, he is under the power of the Holy Spirit. And with boldness, he's declaring the word. And the response we'll get to is out of this world. But the beauty of it is he's saying the Holy Spirit's come to empower you. And what are the primary ways of empowerment? Dreams. Prophetic. Like these are things by the Spirit for to bring people into the kingdom. And it's happening from day one of the Spirit coming to the earth. Peter is... Declaring, he's, But he's also unpacking the scriptures, the prophetic scriptures, to these people, and it cuts them to the heart. So we're going to keep reading. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. I'm just going When keep going. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. See, in Exodus, when the law was given, 3,000 were killed. In the New Covenant, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit is given, 3,000 are saved. They come into the kingdom. And so the Spirit of God is coming. He's coming strong. He's coming on Peter. 3,000 people just got saved. And that momentum is still continuing to this day. The, like The the Spirit of God is still pouring out on the earth, sending missionaries to wherever you're called to do your mission to. And it, it started then, and it's still happening now. It's a continuation. This is not just ancient history that we're disconnected from. We have to see ourselves in these scriptures. Sometimes we just talk about these things, and we think, oh, yeah, that's how God moved in. No, that's not how God moved then. That's how God moves. He moves that way. And so it might not look exactly that way. But there's a continuation. There's 2,000 years of charismatic history. To We've got church history that shows these things have been happening over and over and over. This did not end. This just began at this point. So it's, um, it's a beautiful reality, and it's something for you and I to receive. Now, what God was doing, it was blowing people's minds, like I said earlier. Like nobody expected God to move in the way he did. And the Jewish people who were a part of the first church, they're expecting God to pour out on the Jews. And all of a sudden, as they're watching, as they're sensitive, as you and I, we gotta be sensitive in this season to what the Lord is doing. We, we can't let our paradigms keep us in these boxes. As they're watching what the Lord's doing, they realize God's breaking out on the Gentiles. They they see people like Cornelius, who's a prominent Gentile and his whole family, and the spirit of God pours out on all of them, they're speaking in tongues. they the same thing that happened in, in, in this moment in Pentecost is happening to these Gentiles. Philip is taken to Samaria, and in Samaria, those people who are not you know not Jewish or they're mixed breed at at worst, they are now getting touched by the Spirit of God, and they come back and they say, "What are, what are we supposed to do? Like God's Spirit's pouring out everywhere. It's breaking through here. It's breaking through there. Like maybe this is going to the ends of the earth." <laughs> And so their paradigms are being are being totally shifted. And it, it's so critical that we that we lean into the spirit's leading and not our own intellect. And the early church, they could not because they just saw what the spirit was doing and it was messing with them. But how many of you know God works in, in just ways that we don't understand? And and he's showing to Paul, you know what? I know you're going, you all were going for the Jewish people, but in fact, the the Gentiles, there's a fullness of Gentiles that are gonna come into the kingdom. And then you're going to see all of Israel saved. So I'm still after these people. I'm just working in ways that you don't understand. But I'm bringing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do the things that I've called you to do. Don't get caught up in your mind. Don't get caught up with the things you think are supposed to happen when they don't. Know I'm good and know I'm moving. And follow me. Follow the leadership of the Spirit. And it's in full alignment with the Word. They're, they're totally together, but we have to follow the leadership of the Spirit. So just to give you a few examples of how the Holy Spirit's pushing the new church into different areas, um, there's a there's this guy, uh, this scholar, Craig Keener, really awesome guy. If you're ever looking for somebody with, like, a great intellect and who's full of the Spirit, this guy has a whole commentary on the book of Acts that's extraordinary. Um, so he just pull, pulls out a few of these. Um, these are moments where you see the Spirit in the book of Acts pushing the church for, forward. Acts 8, 29, the Spirit tells Philip, Go to the African official's chariot. That's the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 10, 19, the Spirit says, Peter, meet Cornelius. And Cornelius then gets touched by the the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit sends Barnabas and Saul to the Gentiles. The Spirit guides Jerusalem church to welcome the Gentiles despite their lack of circumcision. The Spirit in Acts 16 guides Paul and Cyrus' cross-cultural mission to reach people of other nations. Acts 28, the spirit inspires the scriptures, which Paul continues to justify the mission among the Gentiles. The spirit is pushing the church forward. Are you willing to be pushed by the spirit in this hour, in our hour? I'm not, I'm talking about the book of Acts, but I'm talking about you and me. Are we willing to be pushed by the spirit's prodding to go to people groups, to go even to individuals that we don't think are going to receive? They, they didn't think these people would receive what they had to share. But the Spirit pushed them forward. I mean, even in Macedonia, like, Paul's visions of people crying out. They go, and there's a move of the Spirit. I'm telling you, some of you in this place, God's given you visions, dreams, prophetic utterances. If you will go, if you will engage with those things, you will see a move of God unlike you expected. Your mind won't even agree with what you're doing. But the Spirit of God, when He prods you, and you just say, whatever, I'm going, like, He will move even when your mind's offended and your mind doesn't believe it. The beauty of what we see in the book of Acts and we see it in the present day, I I feel like I'm really supposed to keep connecting these things two together. The beauty of it is that it was signs and wonders that actually planted the church. Like it it was signs and wonders that really allowed the spirit of God to move in these different areas. And so we see that in the present realm um, I, I heard this quote. It's by this guy J.P. Moreland. He's a Chris, Christian philosopher, um, and he he believes I don't know what data he's using, but he says seventy percent of evangelical growth globally is connected to signs and wonders. So, from his research, seventy percent of the people that get saved across the world is from signs and wonders. So, of that portion, you have ninety million people right now in China that that are believers, like, and it could be even more, basically underground church, 90 million. They estimate 50% of those people got saved through healings. They saw the healing. They got healed. That brought them to salvation. In Nepal, they estimate 80% of Christian growth associated with healings. So when we're going after those things, when we're asking God to do those things, it's, it's not to build a bigger ministry. It's not to, to have a bigger stage or a platform for some person. It's to glorify Jesus and win them to Christ. And it works like you're seeing it all across the earth. In fact, the West is one of the the least you know, flourishing places. And maybe, maybe we should start asking the Lord for these supernatural signs and wonders in our city more. I know we're doing it here, but I'm saying like there's something about more intentionally asking and knowing that it's to glorify him. It's not to just build some nice thing like, we want people to come to Jesus. If you look at um, even Iris Ministries in Mozambique, you, you see like Heidi and that whole team, they're praying for ears to be open and ears get open an insane amount of percentage, I forget what it is, like ninety percent, something crazy. But even more that happens with the Makua people. So when Heidi and them when they pray specifically for that people group, they get healed. More than anybody else. Way more. Why? I believe it's the it's the spirit of God longing to open hearts and minds to who Jesus is. It's for the missional aspects of the spirit, and so maybe we're not seeing. I'm just I'm making this up right now, but maybe we're not seeing like the the impact because we're not going to the unreached people to to pray. Like maybe the signs and the wonders will follow us if we press into more of those places where there's people that just don't know Christ at all. Like I wonder if that if there's something there. Um, so in New York City, there's a lot of places where you will find people that know nothing about Jesus. You don't have to go to Mozambique. You may be called to, but the mission field is ripe, and it's all around the place. I, um, you know, I had, an, I had an interesting, it was like a, a life-changing moment um, years ago. And I, I was having a quiet time with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me really clear, once again, like in my spirit, and it was like, my gospel comes with power. And without power, you don't really have the gospel. And it kind of scared me a little bit. Like, honestly, like, sometimes a real encounter with the Lord, you're like a little bit of afraid, you know? Um, and so I was like, oh, my gosh. So I write it down in my little journal. And I go into my office that day. Everything's kind of normal. And then um, my boss comes to me, and he's like, Hey like that prophetic stuff you guys are doing like you can't do that anymore or we're going to fire you. <laughs> I was like okay. <laughs> I guess I have to go. <laughs> so I lost my job that day. <laughs> and 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 but it was easier than it was hard to be honest. It broke it broke me for many years, but it was easier knowing no like like these things were pressing into it's worth losing a job over because I can't compromise the gospel, because it does come with power, and, and not that you, you demonize people that think differently than you, but my point is, when th- this is so important to get when we want to share the gospel. It has to be packaged with power, and in fact, transformation is the thing that everybody's longing for, and the thing that only the Holy Spirit can give. Everybody wants, you go to a counselor, go to because you want transformation, you want things, and counseling's great, but Counseling ultimately needs to lead you to the spirit of God that's going to bring that transformation. And the spirit of God can actually give counselors and can give us in the church wisdom and understanding of what's actually broken and then come and actually heal it. And so all these things are good, like like they're, they're good, but what we're after is transformation. And transformation can only be found by the spirit of God. And so when you see transformation in your life, profess it because it's the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit all over your life. And nobody can mess with that. Like nobody can. What's somebody going to do with a transformed life? What are they going to say? Like, so you take the things that have been transformed and give Jesus glory. I think that's the important thing. Sometimes we get things transformed and we chalk it up to or, or we just we, we make it think it's, it was something like we worked hard and then we got freedom. No, you didn't. You came to the Lord and he gave you freedom. Now profess that freedom to others and let them know where you got it from. Let them know where it came from. Alright, so point number one was the church is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Point number two, the Holy Spirit desires the nations. And point number three, the Holy Spirit responds to prayer. This is a crazy reality. The Holy Spirit, God himself, responds to our prayers. Little people. This is wild. Like... Why this exists? Even the fact that this exists is just a is just a profound thing that God would listen to us, that He would that we could participate in the things He wants to do. Acts four, um, starting at verse, uh, start at verse twenty five. The disciples are being persecuted, and how many know the gospel spread quite a bit, like the Spirit led them, but sometimes they just got persecuted so much that they ran, and then God's like, perfect. I put Philip in Samaria, like, great, go talk to the, go talk to these people. Like, (laughs) so sometimes it doesn't have to be spiritual. Sometimes you get run out by persecution, but God will still come and pour out his spirit wherever you landed. (laughs) So I I can't figure that one out, but it's, it's in there. Okay. Acts four, verse 25. Here's what it says. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus. This is a prayer from the disciples whom you appointed. They did what what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I don't even know what that means was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly, here's the cool thing, this isn't Pentecost, this is another time, and it says what, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, how, the Holy Spirit responded to their prayer, they responded to their prayer for boldness, and he filled their mouths with boldness, and he shook the place where they were at, and he filled them again, we need, how many know we need fresh fillings of the Holy oh, Spirit? Like, we're, like, it is a continual thing. And some people don't realize that the filling of the Holy Spirit, like, is, it, it, it's, it could happen daily for all I know. Like, there's one, two, three, four. Like, it's endless how many times you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need every bit of it because we are so dependent on the Spirit of God. But you see here how prayer resulted in power. It resulted in boldness. It resulted in mouths being opened to proclaim the good news. Prayer is the doorway. To revival, it's the doorway to the things, all the things that we want to see. The nations discipled. It starts with prayer, and that's why we're so keen on this house. That's why we're always doing prayer nights because without prayer, you're probably not going to be humble, first of all, and secondly, you're not going to have the empowerment of the Spirit when you go. In that moment I just shared um, regarding my um, regarding when I got you know let go from my job, it was a transitional moment for me from the mission movement. To the prayer movement. And God's saying, the prayer movement and the mission movement are actually coming together. And like, so I realized, oh my gosh, I don't have the power. I can't find the power in the missions movement. But I need the prayer movement. But I need the missions movement. But I need the prayer movement. And they're actually just one movement. (laughs) Different expressions that must come together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ being known in the nations. So I encourage you, be a combination in your own life. Be a combination of the prayer and the missions movement. Do the go thing, but don't forget the prayer thing. Like they can work together and they should, and they must for the the kingdom of God to advance on the earth the way Christ has designed it. Worship team, could you guys come on up for me, please? So I really believe, and I hit on this earlier, and I'm going to close with this. I really believe the the prophetic... um, and, and dreams and, and all the things that, you know, that Peter's mentioning, like in Joel 2, that are being poured out by the Holy Spirit. There's an invitation for that to be stirred up in you and I today. There's an invitation to be stirred up in those gifts, especially as we're in the new year. We need to be seeing ahead. We need to be, we need to be seeing what God is doing. And, and I, I really feel like, to be honest, the prophetic has been used in so many wrong ways. And, and there's been lots of abuse but we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater like this is a gift by the spirit and so just the fact that it's been you know used incorrectly we we cannot despise the prophetic we cannot despise those things and in fact they keep us locked into the narrative of god they keep us they 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 keep us from like persevering in the things of the lord and so i just want to encourage you this morning we're going to pray here shortly but i believe there's people that you've been getting You've been getting these things. You've been getting these prophetic visions. You've been getting dreams in the night. And and perhaps you've been shelving them. And I believe the Holy Spirit will bring them back up today, even as we pray. And I believe it's pivotal, actually, for the discipling of the nations. I've personally been having just dreams that I've been shelving and not stewarding. And I'll just be honest. Like, I, I've just been getting them. Like, oh, that's nice. And then, like, you know, I feed my kids breakfast and move on with my day. And the Lord's bringing me back to them be like, no, like, this is my spirit. This is my missional heart because they're dreams for people and people groups. So some of you have dreams for individuals and I've been getting them and I've been texting them and they're accurate. And, and so we get them and we just kind of, sometimes we toss them. We don't think about them versus praying into them, asking Lord, like, do you want to open a door with this person? Do you want to open a door with this people? Why is my heart burning so strong for these people? I, because he wants to touch them. And, and even if you, th- you think, oh, how can I possibly be a part of that? Like, I'm not equipped for that. or I'm not. No, lean in. The spirit of God is moving you in places of discomfort. But don't worry. He goes with you where he calls you to. He goes with His presence goes with us. So we don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to think he's going to throw us out in the middle of some people group we can't understand. He's given you the language for the people that you're called to reach. And I'm telling you, some of it's individuals and some of you, it's actual people groups. And most of them are in this city. Some of you will be sent, but some of you, you're already sent. You're sent here. Like, that's why you're sitting in these seats. It's why you're in this place. The nations are here. And the nations you've been called to reach, they're right here. And they're ripe for the harvest. And they speak English. (laughs) Not all of them, but some of them do. But here's the thing. I will say this. Some of you, you're going to be called to go into a time of study to go into a time of even learning other languages and really an intentional time. Like you're going to have a missional vision for what God wants to do in your life, but it's going to take a year or two of study. It's going to take time to get your mind and intellect aligned with what God has said in your spirit. Does that make sense? All right, everybody can stand up with me, please. Um, you know, I started talking about my grandfather one thing I didn't tell you was in that moment where I was at his bedside, you know, I shared with him all the things that God had shown me that he, that he carried. Um, and I honored him in that way. But the crazy thing was in that moment, the Holy Spirit came on me and it's just me and him. And I told him, I said, granddad. And I said this with such confidence. I said, I'm going to carry what you, what you have. And I'm going to see a move of God in New York City with my eyes, with my hand. Like, I'm going to see it. So don't you worry, Granddad. What you carried, I'm going to put it in this city as best I can. And I said it with such confidence, with such unction. And I was like, what did I just say? My mind can't wrap itself around it, but I know it was the Spirit of God. And that's the prophetic thing driving me forward. What's yours? What's your prophetic unction? What's that edge that the Spirit of God he's the thing he's spoken to you that you confirm with the word that you've confirmed with wise counsel? What is that thing that's grounding you that's driving you forward? Everybody just close their close their eyes. Father, I pray this this afternoon, Lord would you give us that prophetic edge? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you confirm your word? Lord, those here that they've heard from you and they just need to be reminded, even though it offends their mind, they need to be reminded of what your spirit has said. They be reminded of the scripture they read that you highlighted, that you illuminated by your spirit. Lord, I pray you would remind them today. Lord, I pray for those in this place that they've never experienced that from your from your spirit. They've never had a dream or, or, or a prophetic encounter, Lord, I pray today you would encounter them. Encounter them right now in this place. Encounter them in their night. Encounter them, Lord, that they would have certainty that you will do what you said you would do. That they would have certainty that Jesus is the living God, that Jesus is the Son of God slain before the beginning of the earth and slain as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb of the earth, Lord, they would have confidence in what you've done, and confidence in what you will do. So we're going to go back in the worship Master team. Could you guys come on up? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.